Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Good afternoon to you and yours. How are you? Wherever you are and however you're listening to us, we greatly appreciate it. My main man, James Mesh, back in the producer's chair inside the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in the great city of Lake Charles on 1041 FM. We're streaming everywhere. I mean everywhere, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area and you have a television set, you can always turn that on, get the vo- face to the voice, because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, I don't know about you, but this uh, it's 80 degrees. It's mostly sunny. My goodness gracious. I like the sun, but 80 degrees in December, that's okay. That's hot. And it kind of reminds me of the New Orleans Pelicans, who are red hot yet again, thanks to their 104-98 win last night over the Detroit Pistons. You're supposed to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. Zion Williamson with 29 points and 10 rebounds. Jonas Valanciunas, a 14-12 double-double. Trey Murphy starting yet again in the absence of Brandon Ingram with 20 points in 35 minutes. Najee Marshall back to form, 17 points in 30 minutes. C.J. McCollum still not shooting the ball well, only had eight points, but it shows you the depth and the breadth of this basketball team. And with the win, stop the press. Thanks to the Boston Celtics beating the Phoenix Suns last night, the New Orleans Pelicans are now 16-8. and They've won five in a row, eight of their last ten. And they have a half-game lead sitting in the catbird seat, the number one seed in the Western Conference, a half a game ahead of the Phoenix Suns, a half a game ahead of the Memphis Grizzlies. So we'll find out pretty darn soon because uh, a chance to really separate a little bit. You've got the Phoenix Suns coming to town for a um, playoff-like two games in three days scenario um, tomorrow night, Friday night, Suns versus the Pels in the Smoothie King Center, a 7.30 tip, and then Sunday, a 2.30 tip inside the Smoothie King Center. Now, the Pels will then have their own version of a mini playoff on the road because on Tuesday, they'll be in Utah to take on the Jazz, Tuesday night and Thursday night. And then off to Phoenix to play the Suns. So of their next five games, three are against the Phoenix Suns. Two are against the Utah Jazz. Um, Grant Hughes of Bleacher Report 
our NBA national correspondent will join us, and uh, we'll go over this uh, this NBA league. Uh, the Pistons get beat last night. The Boston Celtics really, really, really good, really good. The Pels really good, really good. We are a day. Uh, we are not a day away tonight. In high school football, number one seeded Vermilion Catholic will take on number three seed Wachita Christian. Vermilion Catholic is thirteen and zero. Wachita Christian is twelve and one. It's a seven o'clock kickoff inside the Caesars Superdome, and this um, this will be interesting to say the least. Uh, if you go by the numbers, that's uh, defense rules the roost at Vermilion Catholic. The Eagles have surrendered just 58 points, 4.4 points per game. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. So um, Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser will talk about that game that's coming up tonight. And then on Friday, uh, the big matchup, a noon kickoff. In the Division II select bracket, number one seeded St. Thomas More at 12 and 1 versus sixth seeded Lafayette Christian at 10 and 3. What a game. Uh, that quarterback, the junior quarterback for Lafayette Christian, Juwan Johnson, had uh, against Turlings Catholic. My goodness, he piled up 660 total yards of offense himself. And nine touchdowns. Nine. That is astronomical. So we'll preview both of those games. We'll have the St. Thomas More Lafayette Christian game here on 1037 Lafayette uh, beginning tomorrow at noon uh, from the Superdome. So we will be preempted. We will not have a show tomorrow. So we're going to tip our cap and uh, wish both. Um, The Cougars and the Knights, the very, very best of success. We know that there will be at least one school from the Acadiana area that will be a state champion this year. We're hoping for two uh, because there are three teams left in the hunt. So stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. I'm looking forward to it. Our conversation there. Um, LSU football. We'll have Wilson Alexander coming on board in the 3 o'clock era. Uh, era hour um we'll talk the latest on the transfer portal two more players have entered the portal um and when you look at some other teams it's not that much a junior tight end cole taylor and defensive end desmond little have entered the portal increasing the number of x tigers in the portal to seven um taylor uh, highly thought of the number 10 Ranked tight end nationally, the number five prospect in Colorado, uh, but he got beaten out um, by another freshman this year. Well, and so Mason Taylor was was really good. Um, so anyway, uh, you've got that now. LSU is needs depth at that position. They've only got one tight end. Um, Mac Markway is in its twenty twenty three class, a four star tight end. So we shall see. We shall see. Um, the very latest on that, coaches are out recruiting like crazy, for sure. Uh, and we'll find out uh, where everything ranks along those lines. Um, Brittany Griner released 
from Russian custody in a prisoner swap for convicted arms dealer Victor Bout. Griner, the former LSU, um, the former um, Baylor basketball star, coached by now LSU women's coach Kim Mulkey, had been in Russian custody since February the 17th. So she's coming home in a one-for-one prisoner swap. Uh, the exchange took place Thursday in the United Arab Emirates after President Biden gave final approval of the swap following weeks of negotiations. So Brittany Kreiner is coming home. We'll uh, go from there. Um, Associated Press named their player of the year for the 2022 college football season. And that award goes to USC quarterback Caleb Williams, becoming the Trojans' first winner of the award since 2005. He received 32 of 46 first-place votes, 117 total points from the AP Top 25 poll voters to run away with the award. He finished well ahead of TCU quarterback Max Duggan, who came in second with six-place votes and 64 votes. C.J. Stroud of Ohio State finished third. Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker was fourth. Georgia's Stetson Bennett was fifth. Um, Alabama linebacker Will Anderson, the first repeat SEC defensive player of the year, was the only non-quarterback in this year's top eight vote-getters, finishing sixth after coming in fourth last season. So it's award season time. We'll find out who the um, Heisman Trophy winner is this Saturday. And um, they'll do all that uh, banquet circuit, and that will go from there. We'll go from there. So um, shout out to Billy Napier, who got quite the commitment in the 2024 class. He got a quarterback by the name of DJ Lagway out of Willis, Texas. He's a five-star quarterback. Uh, Recruiting has not been going well for Billy Napier, but – Lagway announced during a commitment ceremony uh, that he was indeed going to the Gators, choosing Florida over USC, Oklahoma, Baylor, Texas A&M, and others. He's the number four quarterback in the 24 class and the number four overall recruit from the state of Texas. So um, Congratulations to Millie Napier on that front. So our show today, here we go. Grant Hughes talking about the surprising New Orleans Pelicans and the rest of the NBA coming up here in about four minutes. Corey Diaz will preview um, the high school football championship games with uh, the Acadiana teams that are still alive, and there are three of them. In hour number two, Wilson Alexander will take us through the uh, portal process and how LSU's faring there, what they might be looking to uh, to add via the subtractions. And then Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports will join us as he does on Thursdays. It's time for Schwab's Picks this week 
in the NFL. We don't have to worry about the Saints because they ain't playing. Thank goodness. All right. The game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of the new Whitney Houston biopic. I want to dance with somebody. That's right. You can see it before anybody else by simply texting Whitney to 68683. That's Whitney to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek December 20th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. It's the I want to dance with somebody sneak preview brought to you by A. Brian Jewelers and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Grant Hughes, Bleacher Report, next here on the Jordy Helper Show. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Well, we are um, have a nice sample size uh, when it comes to the NBA regular season, 82 games throughout. And right now, teams have played about 24, 25 games. So very nice sample size. And as I said to begin the show, the New Orleans Pelicans leading the Western Conference at 16 and 8. They've won five in a row. They're beating the teams that they are supposed to beat, which has not always been very rarely has it been the case. But I I want to get an expert's opinion on this Pelicans team and the NBA in total. And the only guy I know that knows it all is my boy, Grant Hughes, out on the West Coast with Bleacher Report. Grant, happy holidays, my friend. How's the family? Everybody's doing great, Jordy. We're uh, we're uh, all got the tree up and everything. Put the lights up outside yesterday, so we're uh, we're ready for it. That's, that's Man, for sure. Uh, a handyman, to say the very, very least. All right. The Pelicans haven't had their starting rotation for very, 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 very few games out of the 24 they've played, and here they are. What do you think of this team down in New Orleans? I think it's a combination of uh, of what I expected, which was the offense would be good, and they've sort of so far answered the question about how can the defense – you know, make that matter, right? Like if you're, mm-hmm. you know, top five in offense, but you're bottom five on defense, you're a 500 team, you know, ballpark. Um, but the defense has been, that's the story. That's the big surprise. It, it's looked really good. Um, some of it has been a product of opponents just aren't making threes against them. And that kind of levels out over the course of the year. But the stuff that matters, like the effort, you know, you could start with Zion, I think is, is, paying more attention on defense, working yeah. harder than ever, um, and that, that matters. So um, they're one of the best teams in the West, one of the best teams in the league. Uh, how that holds together as we kind of get into, you know, the, the next right. quarter of the season, I guess, is, is, is a real story. And you got the Suns, I think, twice this weekend, so that'll be yes. a decent test. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird kind of schedule. I kind of like it. It's kind of like a, a playoff vibe. They play the Suns in New Orleans Friday and Sunday. Then they go to Utah and play like a Tuesday Thursday in Salt Lake City. And then they come head out west and play Phoenix again. So of their next five games, three are against the Suns, and that ought to tell you an awful lot about them. Yeah, it should. And and. I think, you know, you hear some people complain about that, uh, the way the schedule is different this year, but it's really not that different than, you know, take the NFL schedule. Maybe you catch a team with a, you know, a key skill position guy out. Well, so what? You know, maybe you catch, you know, the Suns. That's not the case. They're getting healthier, but it doesn't matter if you play them all. And then this way you aren't traveling across the country, you know, as many times as you otherwise would. I think, Mm -hmm. and plus, the best part about the playoffs is, 
you see the same guy across from you enough, you start to kind of not like him, and that's what makes the games more fun. So you, yeah. you get a little mini playoff set with, with so much against one team kind of jammed into a, into, into a short time span. I think it's good. I'm with you. Grant Hughes with us. The thing that impresses me, not only what you said about the Pelicans, they are definitely playing more attention on the defensive end and their best players buying in and he's playing the best defense of his career. Uh, but it talks a lot about the depth of this club. Ingram hasn't played. Uh, CJ McCollum can't throw it in, in the, in the ocean right now. Um, and they're still winning games. Yeah, well, the two guys really. Maybe there's. As I say that, I'm looking down the roster. There's like three or four. You know, I think a couple that I really like are Trey Murphy. I, I love a guy that can just bomb it. You know, he yep. he shoots it from two, three steps beyond the line a lot, and that mm-hmm. really matters. And he'll dunk on you. There aren't a lot of guys that that have that. I really like him. I love Dyson Daniels. He's a rookie, but I mm-hmm. think that I think he has just tremendous potential. And then. Obviously, Alvarado is like. I mean, have they built a statue of him down there yet? I feel like he's probably <laughs> one of the one of the favorite role guys in the league. He's won him a game this year more than once. Yeah. And then Nance. Nance is a real key to that defense too. If we're, gonna, if we're gonna give credit out, he needs some. I, I I have to admit the errors of my ways. Uh, it was about this time a year ago. I was saying, um, please fire David Griffin. Please get somebody in here that knows what they're doing. And l- let's not waste this Zion Williamson thing. I, I, I was wrong. I was completely wrong. He has done a magnificent job of getting some use, getting some some experience, and blended it all together. And what they have, um, Grant, I think you'll you'll admit it's kind of like what the Warriors have had in the past. And that's man, they've got that chemistry. They genuinely like each other. They like to play for each other, and that's rare in professional sports. It is. It is. I agree with you. And and I'll I'll, I'll you know eat some humble pie too on, on the Griffin thing. I, I haven't loved some of the moves uh, over the, over his tenure there, but yeah. I mean, look, it, it's kind of, it's more art than science. I think sometimes, and this kind of shows it because yeah, they got a ton of talent. Yeah. They've got depth, but how do you, how do you know when you're putting a roster together that it is going to, you know, have this chemistry that these guys will, you know, play for each other. That's just, right. that's just sometimes, you know, you, you try to get good guys, high character guys, that type yep. of thing, but you really just don't know until you get some reps and, and, you know, whatever's in the, in the mix uh, is, is really working. And no offense to Sam Van Gundy, but they all like this Willie Green guy and they all play hard for him. Yep. And that, that makes a difference as well. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think, well, you were in on green pretty early. I think, I yep. think you, uh, of the people that I've talked to, you know, and it's the type of thing where that's another thing. You don't really know how an assistant, because that's what he'd been for his career. You know, mm-hmm. he, was, he was playing not that long ago. I mean, he, he right. played with Chris Paul several years. Uh, I just, you don't know how that guy's going to relate to players when he has the big job and he has to tell guys, hey, you're not playing tonight and it's my decision. You know, yeah. that can change the dynamic and handling that is what, 50 60 percent of coaching maybe more just making sure the guys believe in you it's probably yeah. more than that and, and he's got that going really well it helps that they're winning you know they'll yeah. hit a rough patch maybe and and we'll see we'll see really what this team's made of but right. it, you can't really that, give them anything but high marks to this point no question speak 
Uh, speaking of assistant coach who was thrust into a, uh, wow, what a difficult position. But this coach with the Boston Celtics, they're 21 and five. I watched them last night. Man, Malcolm Brogdon adds a new dimension to that club. And their their stars keep getting better and better. Uh, man, uh, Boston's something else. They're, they are a machine. And, and it's it's offense this year. I mean, you know, they, yeah. they were defined by defense last season. And, and that's had a lot to do with their starting center, Robert Williams III, who hasn't played this year yet. So, right. you know, you got them getting up by like 45 on the Suns at one point last night, and they're missing the guy that arguably, outside of maybe Jason Tatum, was really what made them go last year. So, you know, they're, I, I, yeah, we're getting ahead of ourselves, I think. But if you're talking about a team that, you know, is just built to – I mean, they made the finals last year, so it's not – no great revelation, but a team that's really built to beat the best teams consistently, however they mm-hmm. need to do that on either end of the floor. The Celtics are just, they're they're real, real tough right now. If you had told me Grant Hughes of Bleacher Report 25, 26 games into this thing that the Golden State Warriors would be 13 and 13 and the Lakers would be 10 and 14, I'd say, yeah, no, I, I, I can buy into the Lakers deal, but no way the Warriors are going to be at 500. What's going on there? It's a combination of things. Uh, you know, they've had just a couple scratch your head losses. Uh, the Pacers came in and just and just beat them at full strength the other night. Um, and the Pacers are another team that have been better. It, it's a lot of that they thought were going to be ready to step in for the free agents that they lost that they really leaned on last year. Guys like Gary Payton, guys like Otto Porter. They lost those guys. They thought the the rookies in the second year and third year guys would be ready to take up the slack there and that has mostly not been true i mean james wiseman's the guy they picked second in the draft not that long ago and he's been in the g league for long stretches yeah. he got in the game yeah. last night and he was just lost and he's got outplayed by a rookie Walter <sighs> Kessler of the jazz so wow. it's some of that uh clay thompson has had his ups and downs for sure he does not um, look like the same and I player think, i think any team like this though that's coming off a title there's going to be some letdown. You know, there's yeah. going to be some, it's November, it's December. Why do, how, how do we summon maximum effort and attention for this game? And it's just, you see it a lot. I think, I think still the Warriors are about as good a bet as anybody to, to make the finals in the West. Um, mm. I don't know that that says more about them or, or, or the West, though, because a lot of teams have, have kind of looked uneven in that conference. Okay. Uh, can I get on my uh, soapbox and 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 rant just to, for for ten seconds? November twenty first, Pelicans have a sold out arena. The Warriors are coming to town. Steph Curry doesn't play. Clay Thompson doesn't play. Draymond Green doesn't play. I mean, golly, refund the people's money. It's it's ridiculous. And the Pels yeah, won by forty five. Forty five. I remember that game. It's it's tough. I you know fixes. I don't know what the solution is because you say that to the Warriors and they'll all say yeah. I mean we you know especially Steph Curry. He talks all the time about you know there's a kid in Milwaukee or make it New Orleans that might see me once a year. Michael Jordan used to say this. I owe mm-hmm. it to him to play. But when you got sports science devices and all this information that say. Hey, you got to sit this one. Your injury risk is elevated. Also, it's December. We need you in June. I get it from the team perspective. I I don't know what the fix is because that's a bum deal. If you are that kid that shows up and and you may never yep. get another chance, you know I I don't know how you fix it, but it's it's a tough yeah. situation for sure. It, 
It really is. Who's who's playing the best basketball from an individual standpoint? Uh, is it Luca? Although the Dallas Mavericks, uh, you know, they're thirteen and eleven, but he he does everything for them. But who's playing the best in your mind? I mean, honestly, it might be Curry. Uh, he's yeah. he has shot the ball better to start this season than he ever has in any year. You go down some of the advanced numbers. I mean, you talked about the sample small. He's he's right there. Luka's in the conversation. Jokic again. Um, but the guy that, yeah. that I think has leveled up is Jason Tatum. Is, is the, he's the Celtics' best player. Yeah. Um, he's one of the rare, you know, number one scoring options that does not take plays off defensively uh, ever. And, and, and he's 6'8", six, 6'10", six, depending on who you talk to, and so he can guard just about anything. Um, I think I think Tatum has a real shot to be in the MVP conversation, you know, on the real short list of it. Real short, I'm talking top three for, for the balance of the year. He may have the Michael Jordan syndrome, but, I mean, night in, night out, Giannis Antetokounmpo, gee whiz. Oh, yeah. How, how do you how stop that, How do we not talk dude? about him? Of course, of course. Man, what team has been the biggest disappointment in your book to date? I mean, the Warriors are disappointing, even though I just made a bunch of excuses for them. I mean, they yeah. can't, you know, 500 is, is a bad look at, at this this point of the season. I mean, I would, say, would be I'd say the Clippers, too, just because yeah. the Clippers are ninth in the West right now. and But, you yeah. know, their best players just don't ever play. So I don't, I don't really know what to do about that. I guess that's still disappointing in kind of a different way. Yeah, I don't get them at all. I thought Minnesota would be better. Um, I thought mm-hmm. yeah, Miami's eleven and fourteen. That, that surprises me a little bit. Yeah, that's true. I think you know, even the Sixers are eight, right? The Sixers are supposed to be a contender, and and yeah. again, they you know they've had two of their three best guys out for long chunks of the season. So even as we talk about, hey, we're a quarter of the way through the year, it's still early enough where you know you lose a good guy for. 10 days that knocks two or three wins off your, off your ledger. And suddenly you're five spots lower in the standings than you should be. I think right now is a good time to kind of think about or to put a little more stock in what you thought before the season than what looks to be the case right now, just because mm-hmm. we're still, you know, I mean, are the Kings going to be fifth in the West in a couple months? I, I have my doubts. There's, there's things yeah. like that all over the standings. I don't, I don't include the Pelicans in that though. I think the Pelicans are, are legitimately good. All right. Uh, I don't think Curry and Thompson and Draymond Green are going to sit out Saturday night when that's the prime time uh, showcase with the the Warriors and the Celtics, a rematch of the the NBA Finals. I think all hands on deck for that one. Yeah, they better be. I mean, the Celtics just mopped the floor with the Suns, and it's kind of like a like a who's next? You know, who wants a piece of us on this? You know, West Coast or against these top West teams? Yeah. I mean, honestly. The, the Celtics are just better than the Warriors right now. That doesn't mean that the right. Warriors can't get, you know, 50 from Curry and just win it. But right. um, if I'm the Warriors, I'm I'm looking at this like we need this maybe a little more than the Celtics do because the Celtics no have doubt. answered every question so far. No doubt. All right. Well, here we are, 24 games in, and the Pelicans are at the top of the roost. That's uh, before the West. I mean, you go from one to 11, and it's only a four-game differential. So a lot of basketball yep. to be played. But uh, we got to revel while we can revel. And so far, we'll, by this time next week, we'll know a whole lot more about this Pelicans team. But so far, so good. Uh, Grant, happy holidays. Merry Christmas and all that stuff. And uh, I can't thank you enough, man. Enjoy the holiday season. Same to you. Thanks a lot. 
All right, buddy, you take care. Grant Hughes from Bleacher Report. He's out there on the West Coast. It's another twofer, two-for-one deal from AcadianaDeals.com. This Friday, you can get a $40 voucher to Outback Steakhouse for only 20 bucks. Get the Bloomin' Onion. Yeah, that's a $40 voucher, and you'll get it for half the price. Once again, visit AcadianaDeals.com this Friday to get a $40 voucher to Outback Steakhouse for only 20 bucks. Uh, three Acadiana high school football teams uh, still in the hunt. They are one uh, playing tonight in the Superdome, two playing tomorrow. Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser and the USA Network will join us and give us the 411 on these two Titanic matchups coming your way. Um, we'll take a timeout first. This is the Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. And we are back 37 minutes after the hour. Four months ago, the high school football season began throughout the state of Louisiana. And now we're down to the final two in each division as Thursday, Friday, and Saturday will determine who the state champions are in Acadiana. Three teams are competing for state titles inside the Caesars Superdome in New Orleans. For a preview of those games, we go to our high school expert, and that's Corey Diaz from the Daily Advertiser, USA Today Network. Kind enough to join us. Um, Corey, thank you for the time, man. Happy holidays. How are you? Jordy, what's going on, man? Doing well. How are you guys? Good. We're terrific. We got uh, three days of great action. We've got three teams left in this hunt. One plays tonight and two play tomorrow. So let's start with tonight. If you don't mind, that's Vermilion Catholic. Um, there is no D in Vermilion Catholic, but there's a lot of D on their on their football team. They play some defense and they're taking on Washita Christian tonight at 7 p.m. Let's get the lowdown on this one from you. Yeah, man. Uh, first off, kudos on that on that lead into this game, Jordy. That was that was nice with the D there. That? Uh, well, that's, <laughs> why, that's, why, that's why I make the big dollars. Don't you understand? Go ahead. I, <laughs> no, man. I'll, I'll hit you up the next time I need some some wordage there. Um, let's do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, look, this is um, look this this matchup tonight's really interesting because it's it's very much strength versus strength, right? Um, I think okay. Vermillion Cap statistically has the best defense in the state, regardless of, of class or division. Um, at, I think it's like 4.3 points per game. Uh, That's two unbelievable. State. So weird. Um, they've, they've been so good all year, Jordy. And obviously, I don't, you know, I think they'll have a great game plan defensively. Uh, you know, Nathan Wiggins is, is the Vermilion Catholics defensive coordinator the last couple of years and he's done a tremendous job this year, obviously, with those guys and that 3 3 5 that they run. Uh, you know the thing about it, though, man, is is, is just like every year. You know, Stephen Fitzhugh up at OCS, he's got guys that can make plays all over the field offensively. So that's usually what makes OCS go. And, and this year's no difference. Landon Graves at quarterback. They got Tate Hembley, uh, in the out wide, really tall, lanky receiver. And 
and Zach White at the running back spot. All these guys have the ability to, you know, touch the ball and take it to the house. Um, so it, it's going to be, you know, for Vermillion Catholic, it's probably it's probably going to be one of those games where it's going to be a bend don't break um, okay. type situation. They can they should be happy with, you know, giving up a couple of first downs in a drive and maybe getting the ball to their side of the field, but ultimately forcing the punt. Or if they get OCS, if, if OCS gets into the red zone, they need to hold the Eagles out for three, as opposed to you know obviously giving up the touchdown there. Because I think with Jonathan Dartez, you know, offensively for them, you know, they've got some firepower too on that side of the ball. Trayvon Moore plays both sides, you know, plays uh, you know strong safety on the defense, and then plays running back for Vermilion Catholic, and, and he's been a really solid option there. So. Uh, I think I think when Vermilion Catholic gets the ball offensively, it's going to be uh, it's going to be possession ball. They want to probably run the clock out because OCS will like to go really fast. Uh, so you're going to have to give your defense some breaks. Um, so it's going to be a really good one, man. It, it's two different styles of football, um, mm-hmm. and uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens tonight. Um, this is no new territory for Washita Christian. They have been um, in the state finals now for four consecutive seasons. Vermilion Catholic has two state titles. Most recently in 2013, Washita Christian has seven. Most recently in 2019. So these are two teams that have experienced this before, but nobody's more experienced than Washita Christian. Uh, so that defense has to live up to the billing. Um, to to take care of business. And look, if they can hold that running back from St. Martin, uh, Harlem Berry, to just 60 yards like they did a week ago, I got to believe they got a game plan for Landon Graves, who's their do-it-all quarterback. Yeah, for sure. And that's just it. You know, they've, you know, for many Catholic, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you know, they've, they've, they've faced some, some good playmakers, you know, whether it be at the running back spot or, or some couple of wide receivers, you know, this year that, that have had that, you know, that game breaking ability. And, you know, and to this point, you know, through 13 games, they're 13 and oh, that means they've been able to, to install game plans every single week for these teams that they have faced and they have come out and it's been a good one, you know, um, it's obviously led to wins. And so, um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't anticipate, you know, OCS just coming out and, and, you know, scoring two or three touchdowns in the first quarter and, and mm-hmm. kind of getting Catholic's defense back on their heels. I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be tit for tat, you know, early on. Uh, you know, I think when both of these teams get out on the field, you know, obviously in these games, there's always a, a feel out, you know, period, you know, first two or three possessions of the game that, you know, teams want to feel each other out and, and see, you know, kind of what they might can do, uh, especially offensively. Right. And so right. I think you're going to, I think you're going to see that early, um, and I think for Million Catholic, if if OCS can find some success, for Million Catholic is going to have to make those adjustments. And so far this year, they've been able to do those things. And I, at this point, you can't really expect them to do anything different. He is Corey Diaz, uh, high school. He covers a lot of things, but he does a great job on the high school front for the Daily Advertiser. That's Thursday night. That's tonight, starting at seven. It might be the best game of the entire. Um, championship weekend, uh, but number one, St. Thomas Vore versus number six, Lafayette Christian. As is well known, these two teams played for the in the regular season finale. St. Thomas Moore won it 
41 to 34 to win the district 4-4A championship outright. It hasn't been that long, and now they're at it again. Um, I, I got to ask you about this Jawan Johnson and the performance he had against Turlings Catholic. I've never seen numbers like that before, what he did individually. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, Jordy, you know, I think, you know, in the days after uh, that semifinal game at Turlings last weekend, you know, I've, I've spent some time, you know, reflecting over my 10-plus year uh, sports writing career. And, you know, and, I, and I've covered, you know, all sports. You know, I've seen all forms of athletes. And mm-hmm. I've, I've tried to think back to a more impressive, and dominant performance by a single player in any sport, in any game that I've covered. And I don't know if I've seen a performance like what Juwan Johnson did uh, against Turlings last weekend. Um, You know, and the thing about it too, Jordy, was that it was so strange because, excuse me, it, it, he scored nine, he counted for nine touchdowns, but it was, it was a weirdly quiet, nine touchdowns like it didn't feel like he had just completely took over and dominated the game and obviously a big part of that right is is kind of what Turlings was able to do offensively as well you know went back and forth and and they crawled themselves back into that game and so uh but when I when I went back and I looked at it and and I it it was I mean it was unbelievable and you know this is a guy that's you know he put up over 600 yards against STM or I'm sorry, 560 yards against STM in the regular season finale. Um, he's been on an absolute tear right now. Uh, it, he's got it, a, it, it, he's got over 2,500 total yards of offense just in the last five weeks alone. It was a bad day. He only had four touchdowns against St. Thomas Moore. What? Are you kidding me? That's a bad day for him. No, that's un, unbelievable how, um, how, what he is doing. And when everybody knows what he's going to try and do, 660 yards and nine touchdowns against Turlings. I mean, it's not like Turlings has never seen him before, but they just couldn't stop him. How does St. Thomas, what kind of plan does St. Thomas Moore come up with? Because, you gotta, you, you can't stop them, but you gotta contain them a little bit. Yeah, and and Jordy, let me say this too about the uh, about the first meeting between STM and LCA because people do forget this. There were there were two wide open receivers that dropped touchdown passes uh, for LCA, mm. and that so if they and both of those receivers were open, wide open, and so if they catch those two passes, Jordy, LCA wins that game in the regular season finale. People forget this, you know, and it, mm-hmm. you know, it came, came down to that weird, you know, onside kick recovery, no onside kick recovery. Refs don't know what's going on, so they make them re- like it was a very weird ending to that game. Um, but I, I, I assure you, Jordy, this, this LCA team is is probably the, the best equipped team that that STM has seen this year that that can beat them. Uh, and now for STM defensively. Uh, <laughs> good. I mean, good luck. <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, it's like you—you you have to contain him. You have to keep Jawan in the pocket for starters, right? I mean, you—you you can't let him break the pocket and get outside because that's where he can eat you alive the most. Is when he's moving, he can throw on the run. He has the ability to to 
you know, extend those plays. And his and you have to give credit to his receivers as well. When, when the pocket breaks down and he gets out of the pocket, you know, they break down and they run to the quarterback to help him out and give him targets. So when the when the play does break down for, for St. Thomas Moore, their defensive backs, I mean, they almost have to uh, – they, they have to keep one eye on the receiver and one eye in the backfield, and I know that's basically impossible, but that's what you have to do. You have to find ways to win, because when Juwan gets out, you've got to be able to, to be in a athletic enough position to change your course and stick with your receiver as tightly as possible. Um, and, you know, that, I mean, that's the key. I don't – I rightly don't know how you execute that because yeah. Juwan is, is special. Um, and I, and he's so quick and he's so fast, um, but I mean that's what STM has to do. Um, and and really, if I if I'm if I'm Jim Hightower, when my offense has got the ball, just like kind of like I was talking about with Vermillion Catholic a second ago, right. I want to eat as much clock as possible. Eat up clock. I, I do yes. not want Jawan Johnson on the field. I want him on the sideline. Just for reference point for all our listeners out there, their road to the state championship final. Lafayette Christian, they beat McDonough 35, 46 to 8. They beat my alma mater, De La Salle, 70, 70 to 49. And then they beat two-seeded Turlings Catholic, 68 to 46. So it tells me they don't play much defense at LCA. But, dude, you, you're going to have to figure out a way because they can put up points unlike any team I've seen. Yeah, a hundred percent, and you know, and that's just—I think they had. I think last week at Turling's, Jordy, I'm pretty sure they they had four touchdown drives that were less than a minute and fifteen seconds. Um, hmm. You know, and a couple of those were, were after you know Turling's was starting to make that comeback, right? And you're talking yeah. about trying to kill another team's momentum when they're trying to build it. I mean, what better way to do that than? You just gave up a touchdown, and you go back in a minute later, and you're scoring a touchdown. You know, I mean, it's 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 heartbreaking, and it's backbreaking, and it's and it's yeah. you're almost playing a, a mental game at that point, right? So for SDM, that's why I say, you know, they would they would be best served uh, just holding on to the football as long as they can offensively when they have it, um, because if you if you go down and score and you're feeling good about yourself, and then the next thing you know, you turn your head and and LCA's already scored. It's 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 hard to kind of play that back and forth game, and look, and STM is more than capable, by the way, of uh, of, of playing the keep away game. You know, with Hunter mm-hmm. Swilly, with Charlie Payton, with uh, John Luke St. Pierre at the running back spot. I mean, they are they've got the guys, they've got the horses to be able to carry the ball. You know, forty five, fifty times. Uh, you know, actually Friday morning that they play. So, um, all right, it, it's going to be interesting, man. It, it's yeah. it's it's kind of these are the games that you want to happen this time of year, and, I, and I'm excited that we're getting it. All right, well, let's get to the let's cut to the chase um, real quick. Does Vermilion Catholic go undefeated this season, and do they raise the trophy as state champs, or does Washita Christian nip them at the wire? Oh man, I'm you know I'm gonna have to go OCS. Um, I just okay. oh, their their options on the offensive side are you know they're always boundless um every single year and 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 like you said jordy when we were talking about the game a few minutes ago you know Fitzhugh and his guys uh you know landon graves has played in and he's only a junior at the games already this is an environment that he is familiar with 
Um, mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the Catholic, they don't really have the kids that have been in, in the dome in this setting. Um, so it's going to be, you know, sometimes those situations can be overwhelming. And so uh, I think OCS, with the familiarity of their surroundings and the big environment, Okay. I think they just they just nipped BC here in, in the state championship game in Division Four Select. In ten seconds, the rematch set for noon Friday. Lafayette Christian, St. Thomas More. Who you got? Ten seconds. Uh, give me Jawan Johnson. Uh, I just think he's unstoppable right now. Uh, LCA, I think wins in a nail biter. Probably the last play of the game. I think Jawan Johnson and LCA wins. Oh, wow. Um, have fun at the Superdome. Two great games, man. It's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Corey Diaz, thank you so much, man. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you, Jordy. Been a pleasure all season, my man. Thank you. You got it, buddy. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll wrap up our number one here on the Jordy Helper Show. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You know, your Alexa or Google Home speaker helps you out around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and just about everything else. But did you know they can also play the game? Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, at your home, everywhere you go. Um, coming up, our number two, Wilson Alexander of uh, The Advocate will join us. We'll talk about LSU with the transfer portal, recruiting, getting ready for a bowl game, who's opting out, who's opting in, all that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll chit-chat about that. And then the Schwab, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports, will make his weekly NFL picks. We got a ball game tonight. Uh, thank goodness the Saints don't play. We don't have to worry about them or watch that debacle. Our number two straight ahead, the Jordy Helper Show here on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Live and local, this is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this Thursday, December 8th, the year 2020. 80 degrees, sunny skies. December? Well, welcome to December in the South. Um, LSU taking their final exams as we speak. Uh, then they'll start getting their prep ready for Purdue, which is named offensive coordinator Brian Brom as its interim coach for the Citrus Bowl, replacing his older brother, Jeff Brom, who just left to become the coach at his alma mater in Louisville. Let's get the very latest on all the happenings around Tigertown with the guy that uh, – does it for a living. He covers them. He knows the ins and the outs, and that's our good friend, Wilson Alexander of The Advocate. Happy holidays, Wilson. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, Jordy. Happy holidays to you and your family as well. I greatly appreciate that. So um, I got to tell you, I, I'm, I'm, I don't make investments 
um, in sports for a reason. Because if you had told me that Kayshawn Booty was coming back to play another year, I'd have laughed you out the building. No way. Um, why, why do you think he chose that option? Because I never expected that. The primary reason, as I understand it, from talking to people, people who know Kayshawn and the situation is mainly draft stock um, is, is a big okay. piece of this. Kayshawn was coming into the year and just sort of the overall way that Kayshawn sees himself. Uh, coming into the year, Kayshawn was projected to be a top 10 pick, possibly even top five, uh, and probably the first receiver off the board. There was a lot of high hopes for him after what he had done before his ankle injury uh, last year at Kentucky. Um, but this hasn't been the year that Kayshawn or anybody really expected from Kayshawn or that he himself expected to have. He thinks of himself as one of the best receivers in the country, and this, uh, you know, statistically just wasn't there this season. Uh, you know, part of that is some of maybe the issues in LSU's downfield passing game that were apparent for most of the season. Part of it is also just his production. There were some drops. Um, clearly at the start of the year, uh, he admitted to feeling frustrated at times. Um, and so this is him wanting to come back, uh, increase his draft stock again, prove that instead of being a, day two pick of some kind that he would be you know in the first round and and he's kind of betting on himself in that way uh to get it back up into the top rounds you know top of the draft and also help lsu win you know that's something that is really important to him as well is that he has uh he's matured from everything i've heard a lot over the last year um with brian kelly and the staff and um really feels motivated to try to help this team win uh, he and his girlfriend have a child. And isn't, isn't this what NIL money is supposed to be all about, to help players out? And he doesn't have to make a rash decision and go later into the NFL rounds. He can come back. He can support his child with NIL money and improve his stock that way. That, that seems what NIL is supposed to be to me. Yeah, that's a, a good point. Uh, you know, NIL certainly helps here. I don't think it was the ultimate factor because Keishon would have still – gotten drafted and signed an NFL contract that was, you know, pretty lucrative. And um, you know, we, don't, we don't know the details of all of his NIL deals, but, you know, right. been able, you know, I would probably have exceeded what he makes off of NIL because, you know, NFL money is, is substantial sure. depending on where he gets picked. And so, but sure. it still, it, it helps, you know, he can stay for a year, continue to make that NIL money. You know, he signed, uh, a con- you know, with Dor- Gordon McKernan and, um, you know, was one of the first people who Gordon, you know, signed and, you know, on all that last year. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, they're still uh, partnered on NIL and, Kayshawn can, like you said, continue to, to support um, his sort of you know, growing family. And, that, and that's a big piece of this, too, is the fact that he is now a father. And that's kind of, uh, you know, he, I think he wants to be around his son um, and, and do, you know, kind of continue to, to be very present. And um, that's kind of been a big piece, I should say, of, of his maturity. Um, it's the fact that he's now become a dad, uh, within, you know, since uh, September. Right. Wilson Alexander, the advocate with us. Uh, the transfer portal opened on Monday. Now there's been a total of seven um, ex-Tigers in the portal. I mean, it's just the way of the world. I, you know, that seems like a low number to me. Does it seem like that to you? Jack Besh, of course, is the biggest name to enter into the portal. Uh, and then people have their reasons. That's why they have the portal. Uh, so they can go find another place where maybe they can play more and contribute more. But seven doesn't seem to be a lot when you look at other teams like the Oregons and the Alabamas. They're A&M, they're flying out like, like doves. Yeah, and pretty much you know, everyone who's entered the portal isn't really a surprise to LSU. There were rumblings about Besh even before the season ended. Um, and then you know, with Kayshawn coming back, it was probably pretty clear he wasn't going like, to mm-hmm. have 
a really big role because um, he didn't have one this year. And, you know, he, it's battling injuries and also just sort of where he ended up in the pecking order in this LSU receiver room, um, you know, he, he decided to to look elsewhere. And that was a really hard decision for him, I, I should add. Sure. And that, that wasn't just like an, an easy thing because he really, really liked, L- you know, loves LSU. Sure. Group, was a huge LSU yeah. fan, but wants to play. And, but as for the overall number, um, yeah, it's kind of around, you know, what would be expected at this point in the week. There'll probably be a few more as well, but it, it, as all indications as of now anyway have been that it'll kind of continue to be some backups or, you know, guys who are maybe a little bit further down the depth chart. Um, mm-hmm. we'll see how things change. And, and you know, this, this is day three of a 45 day window for players to enter wow. their name. And so there's some time yet still for guys to go into the portal. Um, but it's not, LSU isn't expecting to lose you know, a big chunk of its roster by any means. Well, do you think LSU, Brian Kelly and company will be um, similar to what they did to the, in the portal a year ago? I can't imagine that because they didn't have a team last year. I, 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 what, what's his thought process, you think, going into this portal season? Yeah, it's gonna. It's actually going to be much different in terms of volume uh, from what LSU signed a year ago. Last year, LSU signed 16 scholarship transfers. There were another few preferred walk-ons like Gregory Clayton, who ended up as a punt returner and uh, yeah. who came onto the team. And it's not going to be anywhere close to that this season. Um, they can be much more selective in what they're looking for as well. Um, you know, there, there's still a few positions where they probably need to target transfers, cornerback. Um, is going to have to be reloaded again. Um, tight end, they are in the market for another tight end. Uh, defensive yeah. tackle, they could use some help there. They also uh, may need an edge rusher uh, if Vijay Jalari turns pro as expected after his junior season. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're still going to use the transfer portal, but they're not going to have to use it as much. They want to get this roster to a place over time where they really don't need to use it much at yeah. all. Um, yeah. You know, continue to build up on freshman classes and that kind of thing. But the, in terms of the approach and what they're looking for in those guys, is going to be very similar. They still want you know high character people who aren't going to upset the culture that they brought in. They're very intentional about what they look for, um, and will even pass on positions at times um, if they don't think that somebody's going to be the right fit. Um, but they're going to use it to an extent, just not as much as they did last year. Wilson Alexander, the advocate. Everybody's waiting to see what happens in the quarterback run, and everything hinges upon what is Jaden Daniels going to do. They've they said, look, we're not going to practice him. He's got to get healed up. Um, how long do you think this goes before we know a decision on that? Because that decision may certainly well have a domino effect on another quarterback or two that are in that room as we speak. Yeah, I wish I had more answers for you on this than I do, unfortunately. In terms of timeline, I, I don't know uh, when yeah. Jaden is going to make that decision uh, and, and then make it public uh, as well. Um, we, have, we haven't gotten much of an indication on that. It does seem, based on what I've heard, that I think there's a very good chance that he does come back. Um, I don't think that is finalized yet, um, but I've heard some indications that would make you think, okay, you know, he, there's a very good chance that he is back next season. Um, but we'll see. We'll just have to see. And, and then, yeah, it's going to have a ripple effect of some kind, most likely, um, just because there's only one quarterback position, and that's just the nature of the game these days. Um, Can't fault him. We'll, we'll just have to see. I don't want to like. I don't want to you know speculate on what guys are going to do just yet. Obviously, right. you know, Garrett Nussmeyer and Walker Howard are in that room, um, and, yeah. and and Garrett, and I think particular would have to make a decision because he's uh, been here for two years. But um, a lot of that's going to have to just be wait and see at the moment. 
Yeah, he's got some good. Uh, he's got some good tape after what he did in the second half against Georgia, the number one team in the country. That's not bad. Um, bowl game against uh, Purdue. We know they're going to have an interim head coach. We know LSU wants to get to ten wins. I'm just curious, what kind of team is LSU going to field for this game? Who's going to Who's going to opt out? Um, you know, there's always that question, and you just don't know at this point in time. But uh, certainly, some of these players like. Um, that have a potential to be a high draft pick, um, but they wouldn't play in this game, would they? Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting. I mean, the only one that we know of for sure right now is Jay Ward, who you know declared for right. the draft, but he's actually, he told me he's going to play in that bowl game. Um, and that's, wow. a, that's a helpful thing for the secondary uh, to yeah. have him out there. Um, we'll have to kind of see. The other one that's going to be really interesting uh, to see if they opt out or not is B. Joe Jalari. Um, mm-hmm. Because he is a guy who could go right at the beginning of the second round, maybe even sneak into the first with a good pre-draft process, and right. he, um, you know, might want to protect that stock. But you know, we'll see. We go DJ at the same time as the number eighteen uh, feels very passionate about sort of his leadership role on this on this team, and might might see. And even though I don't think anyone should fault him for opting out and protecting himself right. when he's about to make a big. Uh, load of money um yeah. you know that might i think factor into what he ends up doing but we don't know yet um in terms there's not a, there's not a lot of other like very clear mm-hmm. guys who who would opt out because um other than you know bj's going to be the highest pick that they have and <laughs> right. um no one else is uh really you know jay ward might be now their number two draft prospect or i don't know we'll see kind of how those things shake out but there's nobody else yeah. who's really like a clear cut they're going to opt out or maybe, you know, really, really concerned about them opting out, I guess. Very interesting. It's an important game for LSU, isn't it? They should be very motivated for this thing. Ten wins sounds a lot – ten and four sounds a heck of a lot better than nine and five heading into uh, into the springtime. Yeah, it does. I mean, particularly just for the public. Uh, and Brian Kelly acknowledged as much on the conference call on Sunday. Um, internally, he feels like he doesn't make a whole ton of difference if LSU mm-hmm. wins this game or loses this game in terms of what they're building. When he looks forward, he thinks that it wouldn't erase all the strides that they've made internally. And you hear talking to people around LSU football that that's not just a lot of coach speak. That's really genuine stuff is the, right. the what they've built up internally in year one. And um, just even, but you don't, what he sort of acknowledged, like, you know, from a public perception with a long eight months of offseason ahead, it's just better for everybody if they can say, yeah, <laughs> 10 games and won the West and, um, you know, beat Alabama and all that instead of, yeah, but they lost their last three and finished nine and five. It, it would be uh, just good for sort of everybody's um, vibes, for lack of a better word, uh, throughout the offseason if, if LSU fans can talk about a 10-win team as opposed to a 9-win team that lost its last three. I'm with you. Um, there's no answer for this because you don't you aren't the one that uh, makes the decision. But I'm curious as to your thought process. Uh, the lone coach that followed uh, Brian Kelly from Notre Dame was uh, Brian Polian. Um, does a tremendous job recruiting. I think everyone would agree that uh, the special teams has been a thorn in the LSU side from the beginning of the season against Florida State, and we saw what happened at the end of the SEC championship game against Georgia. It has just been, um, ugh, uh, I get, it's been a failure. Uh, a decision needs to be made there. I- I'm curious as to your thoughts on Brian Kelly and the special teams uh, area of football. Yeah, he's going to have to do something to make some kind of 
change in what we see on the field, whether that right. is reassign Brian Polian and bring in somebody else or get himself more involved or keep Polian as a special teams coordinator, but, you know, bring on another analyst who can help with that side of things as well. They, I think he understands that, you know, they're going to have to do something um, to, to just make the, what we, the special teams a lot better. Cause yeah, it was a problem throughout the season. And Polian knows that too, and he's got to, you know, if he's still the one coaching special teams, he's got to do a better job with it. Um, and, and that's no shock to anybody. What they're actually going to end up doing, yeah, I, I don't know at this point. Right. Um, and we'll, we're going to kind of have to wait and see on that as well as we go through and, and you know, really start to press Brian Kelly on what are you going to do about special teams because um, it has been, been an issue uh, and, uh, and unacceptable at times when even though they've been having to use you know, some players, um, like a lot of wide receivers on kickoff and stuff like that, that they don't really want to do. Um, there's just issues, like moments where they just have to be coached better. Um, things like the Georgia, you know, game, knowing that that's a live ball. Um, some other, <laughs> yeah. you know, things that we've all seen throughout the season, they've just got to get better uh, on special teams. How they'll go about doing that, uh, we'll have to find out uh, as we go along through the off season. Coaches love this. They get practices. They get to develop their younger players, players that haven't played all year long. Uh, what's the schedule for LSU? I know they're in final exams. Now, when when do practices start? Have you found out anything along those lines? Yeah, practices, like you said, they're in finals right now. Um, and practices uh, are kind of underway, like, I think, like later in the week for some younger players. Okay. Um, like Brian Kelly mentioned that Jaden Daniels wouldn't practice on Saturday, so I, I guess they have a practice on Saturday. Um, okay. And they'll kind of go up until like the 19th, I think, um, or, or thereabouts. Um, and then, uh, or excuse me, the players could sit home around like the 21st or the 22nd, which is also, of course, the first day of the early signing period. Um, and then they all, you know, reconvene and they head back down to the Citrus Bowl, um, you know, closer, you know, like after Christmas and all that. After so Christmas, um, right. it's okay. a good uh, uh, practices for those younger players in particular guys because it's in a super deep team but there's some freshmen who uh, are going to get some extra time with the coaches um a couple of guys in particular who brian kelly mentioned were quincy wiggins and jalen davis robinson wiggins you know big top 100 recruit didn't really play much this year he was kind of injured at the beginning of the season and also just further down the depth chart uh, you know give him some time to develop and then davis robinson a cornerback who they you know are uh want to see what he can do uh, guys like that are going to have some valuable reps here in bold practice all right, Wilson Alexander, I hope you enjoyed a little bit of a, a respite on this thing, um, if there is such a thing. Uh, but uh, we'll keep our eye on the portal and see what happens there. But thank you so much, man, and uh, Merry Christmas to you and your family, buddy. Thank you for your time. You've been great for us all football season long, and I greatly appreciate it. Oh, well, thanks for having me, Jordy. I really appreciate the kind words. Merry Christmas to you and your family as well. You got it. Wilson Alexander of the advocate kind enough to join us does a tremendous job covering uh lsu football you know you can listen to all your favorite christmas classics or local cajun christmas songs on the louisiana christmas channel that's non-stop christmas music 24 7 on the louisiana christmas channel you can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app on both apple and android devices and listen on your amazon alexa so listen to some holiday cheer with the louisiana christmas channel Take a quick time out. We'll come back with more here on the Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for sports in Southwest Louisiana. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Right, we are back 21 minutes after the hour. The game wants to stuff your stocking with a $500 Visa gift card. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes presented by Armentor Jewelers. Simply enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $500 Visa gift card. It's that easy. It's the Christmas Comes Early Sweepstakes powered by Armentor Jewelers and the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, South Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Um, Saints, of course, have a bye this weekend, as do the Atlanta Falcons in week 14. They will meet up in week 15 in Atlanta. And the Saints are going to be playing against a new quarterback. Uh, Coach Arthur Smith left the door open for a potential quarterback change after Atlanta's Week 13 loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And now, today, he has pulled the trigger on just that. He is benching Marcus Mariota for rookie Desmond Ritter. Ahead of this week's bye, uh, Ritter will make his debut in Week 15 against the rival Saints. Um, after Sunday's loss, Smith told reporters, we've got to get over this hump here, and there are a lot of things at stake. Atlanta dropped to 5-8 and eight on the season. Just seems to me everybody's kind of conceded that Tampa Bay is going to win the division. That's what it seems like to me. Uh, you know, you're a couple of games back in the loss column with four games left to play, and the chances are slim. Um, and But none hasn't left the door yet, hadn't left the building. So the Saints will go after a rookie quarterback. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Falcons are technically still in the playoff picture. They have just one loss, one less win, but they've lost two straight and four of their last five, and they've struggled offensively. And the Saints, um, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just not good. It's not good at all. So, um, yeah, we shall see. The NFC South, maybe one of the worst uh, divisions in football in a long, long time uh if you look at the standings right now tampa bay is six and six falcons are two games back in the loss column uh with four games left to go that's just hard carolina is four and eight and the saints well they're they're three games back in the loss column and they've got to go to atlanta they've got to play cleveland they got to play philadelphia on the road yeah okay anyway that, that season is long done and over over um there's a there's a coaching job available and it's a pretty good one stanford is out there and according to pete thamel former dallas cowboy coach jason garrett is one of the finalists for the job he's 56 he coached the cowboys from 2010 to 2019 he was 85 and 67 not bad in the regular season just two and three in the playoffs that's that's the big kicker right there he was fired after the 2019 season when the cowboys finished eight and eight most recently was the new york giants offensive coordinator before before being fired during the 2021 season and he's currently an analyst for NBC Sports, which which tell me, do you think Purdue missed out, guys do you, and gals? Do you think they missed out one game interim coach? Do you think they should have called up their greatest player ever, Drew Brees? Hey, come coach for one game. Huh? What do you think? Would have been, it would have gotten more people thinking about the guy, the game, and more interested in the game. That might have been fun. I don't, I don't know if Drew would have done it, but um, wow, 
Think about that. Heck, if I'm the AD, I'm going to Drew Brees. What, what else we got? We got to hire a new coach. Everything's going to change. So let's bring in our dude for one game. Let him coach it up. We'll throw it all over the yard because he likes to throw it. Our former coach liked to throw it all the time. So why not? Let's throw it, man. Let's throw it. All right. And it's just a thought there. Just a thought. Hey, don't, uh, don't shoot the messengers. Just a thought. Um so we shall see what happens on that one. Um, this uh, for this thing with the Washington Commanders, um, according to a um, congressional 14 month congressional inquiry, um, the final report of the U.S. House of Representatives Committee on Oversight and Reform, they determined that Washington Commanders owner Daniel Snyder permitted and participated in the team's longtime toxic work culture and obstructed a 14-month congressional inquiry by dodging a subpoena, working to dissuade and intimidate witnesses from cooperating and claiming more than 100 times in testimony that he could not recall answers to basic questions. I'm telling you, as sure as I'm shooting, Daniel Snyder is going to get the call from Roger Goodell. Dude, sell it and sell it now. Get out. We don't want you anymore. You got to go. Go get your several billion dollars and get the heck on out of here. But we don't want you anymore. You are toxic. You are you're, you're just you're terrible for one of our franchises one of the best franchises should be one of the best franchises in the country. It's in our nation's capital and it's corrupt. Well, that, that works with the capital, right? That's, that's Washington corrupt. Um, so anyway, he is just, whoo, he, he's done. He is done period. What, a, what craziness. Why would he want to be subjected to all this? Just sell. He got plenty of people that want to buy it, that have the money to buy it. Just sell the darn thing and go take your billions. How much? How much do you need? Well, how much can you spend? Where can you go? Get check your ego at the door, dude. Get out. Take your money and go disappear. Buy your own island and go disappear. Okay. Anyway, uh, let's take a quick time out here. Uh, the Jordy Helper Show, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. When we return, we'll get down to the brass matter at hand, and that is picking games in week 14. Cincinnati Bengals on a roll. Uh, Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. When we return here to the Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Jordy Holtberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All the time never slows down. We're at week 14 of the NFL season. Let me bring in my buddy Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Happy holidays, Frank. How you doing, my friend? Hey, what's going on, Jordy? Uh, golly, Washington, more, more uh, news coming out about that. I mean, the, the, Roger Goodell's going to tell Snyder, you got to go, right? Just go sell the darn team. Get out of here. He's got to do it. I mean, 
seems like it, uh, but we've said this before, right? Like, this is not the first time we've had this conversation, and he's still yeah. there. What he, I don't know why. I mean, Jerry Richardson, they got rid of him pretty quick. Uh, you know, I mean, they forced him to sell the team, the old Panthers right. owner. Uh, I just don't get it. I, I don't understand why he's still an owner. I mean, he's, again, I've said this before, like, on top of everything awful he's kind of done, he's bad for business. Uh, I mean, right. the Washington franchise is... I mean, operating way below what it should be as far as just profitability. Uh, yeah. I mean, Daniel Snyder can't get a new stadium built because he probably because he's a bad people person, and That's you know, right. fans are are leaving that team in droves. And I mean, just everything business wise, he's ruining a, a like a you know one of the most valuable franchises in sports. He's and so, go. even from that aspect, you just want to be cynical. You'd think that. Yeah. The owners would have gotten him out by now, but here he is. He, he's still he is. surviving, at least I, through today. Enough of him. Let's get to the fun stuff. Uh, slowly but surely, the Las Vegas Raiders have won three straight games. They're actually getting back into the playoff mix, and uh, man, um, Derek Carr, Devontae Adams are getting better. Josh Jacobs is running well, and the Rams are just a dumpster fire. The Raiders are favored by six on the road. Don't you like the Raiders tonight? You almost have to, right? I, I mean, I know it's never this easy, but I can't imagine who's taking the Rams. Like I, they, yeah. they have actually discussed starting Baker Mayfield tonight, and he was claimed off waivers two days ago. <laughs> it's and he's not good. Like I mean, it'd be one thing if Baker Mayfield was a good quarterback, but he's not. And you know, I, I just I, I thought the Rams played really, really hard last week against Seattle. Probably should have won that game. You know, they were leading with three minutes left, and. But I think that was their one. Like you're going to get one effort like that out of those guys, and then it's like, you know what? We just we're just not very good. We're just not going to compete. Now maybe prime time gets these guys juiced up again. That does happen. But I just think the Raiders, like you kind of alluded to, they won three in a row. They're confident now. I mean, yeah, I was like, okay, it's just two, you know, um, two overtime wins, no big deal. Yeah, it was kind of coin flip games, but then they looked pretty good against the Chargers last week, beating them. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll kind of jump on the this idea that the Raiders are bouncing back and they're they're going to be pretty good down the stretch. I think they blow out the Rams tonight. I really do. Maybe that maybe that just going to sound stupid tonight when the Rams keep it close, but I just don't know how the Rams compete. I really don't. I'm with you. One of the great rivalries in the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens are at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers are uh, two-point favorites in this one. Kenny Pickett's three and one in his last four starts. Steelers are making a little push. Um, the Ravens, Lamar Jackson is out. Tyler Huntley gets to start at quarterback. Uh, the Steelers are at home. Man, I like the Steelers. I get it. I, I, I was on you know that side of it, and then I thought about it more, and I think this might be a spot to kind of buy low on the Ravens. I think there's been a look. Lamar's great. I love Lamar, but I think there's been too much of a uh, overcorrection here. Tyler Holly played pretty well last year when he when he knew he was going to start. He got the chance to practice all week. Being thrown mm-hmm. in against a really good Broncos defense last Sunday was a tough spot for him, and they still came out the win. I, they, they made the plays when they had too late. So I, but the Steelers have played better. Mike Tomlin's doing a heck of a job as a coach. Yeah. I think this is one of his better jobs, honestly. Even though they're not yeah. going to end up with a winning record, probably the fact that they're just improving every week is really impressive. But I still believe this Ravens team is pretty good. I still, I think Tyler Huntley's a pretty good quarterback, especially for their system. Okay. I'm going to take the Ravens. I don't feel great about it. I've been bouncing back and forth, but I just think that. The, it's gone too far to the other side. And I still think the Ravens 
from top to bottom a better team. And if they get a good game out of Huntley, like I think they can, I think they win this. Okay. All right, very good. That's what I love about Frank Schwab. He goes with it, man. All right, the Cleveland Browns are six-point road underdogs at Cincinnati. Joe Burrow has never beaten the Browns. Never. Uh, Bengals are really playing well. I think he's I think he's kind of made his way into the MVP conversation a little bit. Deshaun Watson back. He was bad against the Texans, but he's got a game under his belt. This has the makings of what could be a pretty darn good game. What do you think? It could be. I think it all depends on what you think about Deshaun Watson as far as is he going to be able to knock off the rust just one game? He had a bad game. He's going to be just fine this week. I don't know if that's true. He spent a lot of time away from football. He didn't have much time to practice with this group. And maybe he just lose something not playing competitive football yeah. for 23 months. I, yeah. I I don't know. I it wouldn't look. He's a for whatever else we want to say about him. He's a very very talented guy and if he came out firing this week, it, it wouldn't shock me, but I need to see it first. I really do. He was bad last week. And meanwhile, the Bengals are coming on. I don't know what happened with them on Monday night against the Browns a few weeks ago. They looked terrible. I mean, that was the worst performance from a good team I've seen all season. But since then, they've looked just fine. They were playing well to beat the Chiefs. I'll take the Bengals here. I worry a little bit about the uh, letdown. You know, you you beat the Chiefs in a great game. Okay. Uh, it, it's almost natural to, to kind of take a step back from that a little bit. But the Browns beat them already. Division rival, maybe that keeps them sharp. And again, I, I think with the, when I, where I stand with the Browns is I need to see Deshaun Watson look like Deshaun Watson before I really get gotcha. behind them. More than fair. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Okay, this is the one I love. Minnesota Vikings are 10-2. and two. The Detroit <laughs> Lions are 5-7. and seven. Minnesota's heading into Detroit. And the Lions are a two-and-a-half, two-point favorite in this one. Uh, both teams coming off a good win. Nobody respects those poor little Minnesota Vikings. What the heck is going on? I mean, this is one of the weirder lines ever uh, that I've ever seen. And I've been you know, writing about you know betting for a while for Yahoo now. I've been making picks for 10 years. I can't – there's not many – I just might – I have not been able to research this yet, but – this pretty much has to be the first time a 10-2 and two team has been an underdog against a team with a losing record, unless there's a quarterback injury or something like that. I, I mean, this is just crazy, but I get it. I do. I Look, I mean, it's the Minnesota Vikings are one of these few teams that's kind of like however you feel about analytics is how you feel about the Minnesota Vikings because any stat I can give you other than their record tells you the Minnesota Vikings are not a very good team. Some <laughs> average at best, and some stats will tell you they're just bad. They're somehow a bad football team with a 10-2 and record. I'm not totally uh, that down on the Vikings, but I think the Lions are playing better. If they, yeah. you know, We saw that Thanksgiving game against the Bills. If they win that, that's five in a row for them. They're clicking on offense. The Vikings are struggling on defense. I'm gonna go with the Lions. It's crazy. Like it. It just. If you would have told me that, yeah, there's got ten and two team playing at the you know Lions under five hundred, and the ten and two team is gonna be an underdog. I was like, oh god, I'll take that all day. But when I really, you know, when you really dig down to it, I, I'm kind of with the idea that the Vikings are just kind of an average team that, that's got a great record. I'll, I'll take the Lions and see what happens. Uh, so something else, man. Amazing. Um, quarterbacks making their first start against a Tom Brady club are 0 and 6. Tampa Bay's at San Francisco uh, uh for a Sunday afternoon game with Brock 
Purdy making his first start at quarterback. Um, God, I like the 49. I don't care who's at quarterback. I just like their coach so much. I think the coach will put him in a position to play. And who's going to stop that? Who's going to block that 49er defense? Yeah. That's that's kind of the one question because I, I, I my first thought was I'm taking the Buccaneers on the points and I still think I'm going to end up picking that not with much confidence because we don't know anything about Brock Purdy he right. came in had a good game like but the Buccaneers the one thing they are still doing is playing great defense that defense kept them in the game on Monday night and then they finally got your Saints at the end there we know they're playing good defense so you give me three and a half points I feel pretty good about that but then I do think. My goodness, the 49ers is going to tee off on Tom Brady the whole game. How, how can they block them? They, they're off of the yeah. lines and shambles, and the 49ers are fierce up front. So I'm going to pay, I'm going to take the Buccaneers and the points just because I think this could be some kind of 12-10 to 10 game, like really ugly, low-scoring, and I'll feel happy getting the three-and-a-half points. But you might be absolutely right. I Look, if there's one team in the good team in the NFL that's really not reliant on its quarterback – this is San Francisco 49ers, a great defense, can run the ball, great skill position guys. Where They were just asking Jimmy Garoppolo, hey, just get the ball out. Like, just get the ball to Debo Samuel or George Kittle or yeah. Christian yeah. McCaffrey. They weren't asking oh, they him to weapons. do too much. They're not going to ask Brock Purdy to do too much. But at the end of the day, I, I don't know. I, maybe it's just me being uh, you know, stubborn, but it's hard <laughs> for me to punch a ticket on a three-and-a-half-point favorite that's starting Mr. Irrelevant in his first career start. I, I just I just can't do it. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. A battle of um, 2020 first-round picks. Tua Tagovailoa versus Justin Herbert. Miami travels out west to the Chargers. The Chargers, a three-point home underdogs in this one. Um, the Chargers need this one. They need it a lot. Uh Boy, who do you like, Herbert or Tua in this one? I like the Dolphins a lot, actually. I think the fact that they were kind of embarrassed last week is good for them this week, that they're going to come back, bounce right back. They're a good football team. They really are. Yeah. They've yeah. Last time, last week was the first time they've lost in a game that didn't have a, a Tua injury attached to it. It was... And it was a look. It's a bad loss. Once Brock Purdy comes in the game, you got to you got to close that out. You can't lose by sixteen. Like that's a bad loss. But I have faith in the Dolphins team. And you know the Chargers are home. But what does that mean? There's, they don't have many fans. The only thing that's really kind of worrying me uh, is that the Chargers are desperate. They know they gotta have this game. They gotta have it. I mean, they're six and seven, and their season's pretty much done. Yep. Where the Dolphins don't necessarily. The Dolphins are just kind of. Yeah, they they still have hopes to catch the Bills in the AC East, but I think they kind of are resigned to the fact they're going to be a wild card team this year. So they don't have that urgency, but I, I just think the Dolphins are a far better team. I've I've kind of given up hope on the Chargers being good. I mean, that that game against the Raiders was pretty bad. All I know is this though: going to be a lot of points in this game. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a heck of a football game on Sunday night. And but I'll take the Dolphins. I just it just comes down to very basic. I think the Dolphins are a far better team here. I don't know what's happened behind the scenes, but Tennessee is a team that's uh, playing good football, and they fire their GM at this point in time in the season. They host Jacksonville. The GM won't play. I like Tennessee, but what what do you think happened there? I don't know. That's really weird. It's really because I, mean, I don't think John Robinson, their GM, got fired as a bad GM. I think he's pretty good. Right. He made some mistakes. Yes, absolutely. But, but I, it can't just be coincidence 
that they fired him two days after A.J. Brown just goes off. <laughs> it's just when you misread the receiver market like they did, they're not even offering him $20 million a year. They trade him basically one for one for Traylon Burks at a first-round yeah. pick. And, and you know, A.J. Brown gets $25 million a year and is worth every penny of that for the Eagles so far. It looks bad. It looks really bad when he comes yeah. out and scores two touchdowns on you, trash talks you a little bit. I, I just, I, I'm going to, you know, it's hard after last week, but I'm going to take the Jaguars. I think they went straight up, too. I, I think the Jaguars, wow. it's not about the Jaguars as much as it is about the Titans. They're, they're, Traylon Burke suffered a concussion last week, probably not mm-hmm. going to play, unless he clears a protocol, which has been pretty rare this year, for, for a guy under the new protocol to clear it within a week. And Derrick Henry, uh, I, I love Derrick Henry. I think he's a great, great player. One of my favorite players of the last... 25 years, but last four games, he's averaging 2.8 yards per carry. I saw some stat where Sunday was the first time since 2019 he did not force one missed tackle, and you just wow. wonder, all these carries, all the yeah, weight he's had out, on this man. offense on his back, is it yeah. finally catching up to him? No, If Henry's not what he was, no trail on Burks, I ain't got much of a passing game. I just don't know. I think this Titans team is really going to struggle to the finish. They're going to win that division because the division stinks, but yeah. The same Jaguars seemed to beat the Ravens two weeks ago. Well, they're still there. They lost to the Lions, and it wasn't a good loss. But I just don't have that much faith in the Titans right now, and I think the upset this week is going to be Jacksonville. Kansas City's going to beat Denver. What what What's happened to Russell Wilson? And you live in Denver. What, what's going yeah. on there? I've never seen a guy fall off the face of the earth like he has. I can't remember a guy going from legitimate Hall of Fame-level football to – being one of the worst quarterbacks in football. I mean, within one year, it was it's crazy. <sighs> There's so many layers to it, though. I don't think it's one thing. I think that he, he, the coach isn't very good. I mean, he's going to be gone after this year. And I, it just was, you know, you're having a tough time already acclimating yourself to a new team, new teammates. He plays a certain style. that it's it, it, Seattle is used to it. He's very improvisational. He's not necessarily, a lot of his best plays aren't anywhere in the playbook. You know, we've watched him play. Like he, it takes some time with a new team. And then I think at a, t- at a time when maybe you could see him getting more comfortable, getting better, whatever, everybody around him got hurt. They got nobody left. They're not even going to have Corlin Sutton in this game. Wow. Emma Hinton is, is, is going to be their number one receiver, maybe. I, I just... Yeah, I can't say he's going to blast them in this game because I just can't see what is Denver's top end for points in this game. Probably 10. And that's sad to say about an NFL team. But do that's I think awful. the Chiefs aren't scoring 20? No, they're they're going to score 20. I mean, especially an angry Chiefs team coming off a loss. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, it's Russ is in a bad way. I mean, but they can't, like, there is, if they cut him before June 1st next year, the dead cap hit will be $107 million. Uh, they just, they're stuck with him, and they're going to have to figure this out and probably with a new coach. But, yeah, Sunday is going to be pretty ugly. Yes. I, I, I meant to ask you this when I was talking about Tampa Bay. You fill in the blank. Next season, Tom Brady will be, one, the coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two, the, uh, <laughs> the quarterback for uh, another NFL franchise, or three, retired. What would you put your money on? I think it's retired. I think he's going to go to Fox. I think this the season, and this is outside looking in, amateur psychologist, right. whatever. This season has just seemed so miserable for him, and I get it. Mm-hmm. Like you know, the family stuff he's dealt with, they're not very good. Uh, there's been moments. Monday night was a moment for him, and that's awesome. That's great. But I just, I, I honestly, you have to assume he regrets coming back. And I think he just kind of, I mean, again, you're just guessing, but. 
right. think just kind of knowing what I, you know, reading about Brady and all that kind of stuff, you just kind of get the feeling that he was scared of what happened next. And he's retired for 40 days and just worried, hey, I just was second in the MVP voting last year. I still got something left. Let's keep playing. But then you get into it and you realize this isn't what I signed up for. So, you know, he's got that huge, huge contract of Fox waiting for him. I, I think that's where he goes. I think he's with Fox next year. I think it's either one of two things. I think he goes to Fox or somehow, some way, the perfect team is out there for him. And that's the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, they got everything. that's really interesting. I They've not got everything. Considered that. Wow. Huh. <laughs> I mean, if he wants to, yeah. I mean, and they could do just exactly what Tampa Bay did for one season. He gets one more right. Super Bowl, and adios. Ends up where he started out in the West Coast uh, growing up. I, I just, I could see that happening, like, as clear as day. If he's got something that left is, in the tank, I think the 49ers would take him. That's really interesting. And, yeah, like, he'd be perfect. Kyle Shanahan wants a guy who just operate the offense. Don't improv yeah. on me. Operate the offense, and Tom Brady's been perfect at that in his career. That's really interesting. I, yeah, I think if that opportunity arose, he would at least have to think about it because they have everything in place, just kind of like Ooh. the Buccaneers did two years ago. Everything's there. Frank Schwab, Week 14, man. Happy holidays to you, my friend. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon, buddy. Have a great week. Absolutely. I appreciate it. You got it. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. We'll come back after this final timeout with some birthday wishes and wrap it all up here on the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a stake. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, fun show. Fun, fun, fun show. Special thanks to our guest, Grant Hughes, for talking about the first place in the Western Division, New Orleans Pelicans, and the rest around the league. Corey Diaz, best of luck to all the high school football teams. Uh, Vermilion Catholic will take on uh, Washita Christian at 7. Big game tomorrow at noon, and you can listen to it right here on the game. Um, St. Thomas Moore and Lafayette Christian Academy, noon in the Superdome. Great ball game. So thank you, Corey, for your help. Wilson Alexander talking all things uh, LSU. Some decisions have to be made. Um, who's going who's gonna to stay? Who's going to go? Who's going to opt out? All these things, it'll all get uh, settled eventually. And then Frank Schwab with his week 14 picks. Um, yeah, real good deal. Good luck to all the high school teams. What a fun, fun time for all of them. Uh, if today, December 8th is your birthday, well, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share yours with, um, quite a kicker back in the day from new Iberia. He's only 29 years old now. Colby Delahousse celebrating a birthday, went to LSU as a football player and a track, uh, star, uh, end up going to the Olympics. He's still running, making money, doing that. Xavier Carter is 37 years old today and um, longtime NFL quarterback Philip Rivers 
is 41 years old today. So happy birthday to them. Happy birthday to all of you. Again, tomorrow, because of St. Thomas More and Lafayette Christian, we will not be on the air. We'll cover the game for you. Um, and then Miguez and Mesh will have their show afterwards. So good luck to all of those uh, high school players. This could be their last game for many, many, many of them. Very few will go on to play collegiately. So this is their last hurrah. What a great opportunity. We wish them health. Uh, and I know they'll play their best. And uh, it, it'll be an exciting time. So, so we'll take off Friday. But we'll be back Monday to recap it all for you. So, James Mesh. Thank you, as always, for the job you do in that producer's chair. Well done, sir. Thanks to all of you for listening in, whatever form or fashion that you do, whether it's on the radio, whether it's um, on the Internet, or whether it's on TV, we thank you. And to our partners that make it possible, gosh, we couldn't do it without you. Until next time, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Happy holidays. So long, everybody. <laughs>